All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a rock. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? You guys need to the I'm in my prime. First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Alright, DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. With your Mailtown Radio Podcast, Hordes of Chaos, episode 151. Just before dawn, kicking it up with uh, Drown by Entombed. So, how are you? Yeah. Meh. <coughs> David. I got no, I just. I've been, uh, you know, with my, my allergies, I just got done cleaning up the uh, rabbits and uh, I. That'll kickstart it. I rode the bike for a little while before I came down, and um, I think I'm just all flushed. She's still recuperating. <laughs> and I went, like, I'm just I'm a little bummed because I, I went to the doctor's today, and um, I'm, I'm dealing with something, and I have to go get more blood work because it's, like, not working. She's not dying. I'm not dying. No, 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 no. It's uh, just hormone levels and it's just not working and I have to get more blood work and I'm just really mad because like I I had gained like 25 pounds really suddenly like around August I think because oh, from August yeah well, it, well we had a couple of holidays in there but it so. was I, was I was already this weight at um Christmas and it just that's I had reached out to the doctor saying I really would like to try some diet pills and I had like speed basically and i didn't lose any weight and we've been really kind of we were playing racquetball like heavily at that time uh we've been watching our our intake well to be fair during the time we were playing racquetball we weren't really uh changing our like we didn't we were tracking the, as much no right but like, we like i've noticed just like doing the calorie counter that like even though I do tend to use my my points, like I'm at least keeping track of everything. I'm not as snacking as much, and if I do, it's stuff that's small and doesn't eat up a lot of calorie space or whatever. Well, my point with I told the doctor all that, and I he 
because I, I went. I mean, for you, it might be something different. Well, it on. is. It's it's my hormones, and and that's why he prescribed the, the the medicine for me. And but I was like five pounds heavier today, and I'm like, this is ridiculous because I know there was Christmas, but like for the last 14 days, I have been so strict. You would think five pounds would have come off. Even if I gained a little weight at Christmas, but we haven't exercised. That's the thing. No, but I I do a little bit. Right. Like we we haven't played racquetball in three weeks, and but that's not like the end of the world. Honestly, losing weight is yeah, more you should, about you should drop weight weight even when you're eating better. You we, you can't out exercise a bad diet, and that's the truth. And we have been very focused on smaller portions healthier foods like mm -hmm. we had we had a salad and fish last night and i was still a little hungry so i had some beef jerky which was only 100 calories yeah beef jerky is not bad um i'm like what is it was just really upsetting because he's like you've gained five pounds since i saw you a month ago and i'm like it's impossible and i'm like i know christmas was in there and i know i had cookies and snacks and stuff but this was two weeks ago and if i got off the wagon for for two days and then the last couple of he's like and you're not feeling any different or any better worse etc new year's was in there we did chow down a lot then too but it was charcuterie it was not carbs it was all like cheeses and meats and stuff mm -hmm. which can but that was also two weeks ago the last two weeks we have been so incredibly good and i told him that and he i said you know even on days that like we might have go over i have been looking through my tracker and it's been maybe 1700 calories 1800 calories i said but most days it's about 1300 calories and he's like you haven't lost anything and i said no clearly i'm more i have more weight than when i was here in december so this really kind of took me by surprise because uh, uh, like a 20, 25 pound weight gain that happened in August um, is unheard of because this time last year, my weight was literally 25 pounds less, right. Some, sometimes 30, depending on the day, like if I had like a really active week. So I just, I'm just really bummed about that. And I'm like, well, maybe I do need to literally exercise every single day and see if that helps because i i do uh, well for not playing racquetball like for my there's an advantage for me one being male but two mm. three days a week i'm walking a lot like a lot throughout the day so that even if i'm not playing racquetball that's still three days where i'm just getting out there and moving around yeah, but see i i'm in the warehouse a lot yeah, but you're probably not steadily walking, like, you know. But I'm still lifting and moving, and, like, yesterday morning, um, I had to move all these boxes over to be shipped, and I, we don't have, well, it works now. Our elevator wasn't working. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> so, but I, but you, you really, like, it's more on the, it's more for freight. Um, so, to get up and, we have two warehouses, upstairs and downstairs, you have to walk up three flights of steps, like upstairs and then downstairs. And our warehouse is huge. So I, I'm just, I think it's what, what, I'm just like in a bad mood. That's really, I'm just in a really bad mood. And. Well, they get it worked out. I mean, uh, they initially, did you, did you see Martin? Is that mm -hmm. what he Yeah, so he gave you some pills for your he, Yeah, he gave me thyroid. The, the thyroid pills last month and he wants me to get my blood work done. He's like, what might be happening is it's, it's not like, it's not kicking, it's kicking it in just a little bit just so that 
that it like kind of masks the and he's like but he's like has anything changed i'm like nothing has changed i i have been literally i'm actually happier because you're sneaking around and not <laughs> eating snacks but i know you're well, not look, so i haven't been over my mom's house since the holidays because everybody was sick yeah you'd plan to go there the other day but they got mm -hmm. covid and you decided against it and you know that's why i'm like i have not seen my mother for two weeks and it's probably gonna be even worse because you know they're still getting over their shit but then like you gotta go out on the boat soon well there's a towards gym in the month but there's a gym on the boat and well, that part's good, but I'm just saying in terms of seeing your mom, like, I'm not sure how much of that you're going to see until mm -hmm. they're clear, totally cleared of it. Well, I think we're going to go get our nails done on Saturday. Um, but, oh, like... Oh, this Saturday? Yeah, what... We got Century on 1 o'clock. Okay, we're going to go at, like, 10. My oh, mom okay. has to pick up her groceries at 3. All right, well, I just wanted to make sure you mm -hmm. remember. Um, yeah, it's it'll. I'll be home by, like, noon. Um, even when my mom and I, two weeks ago... We went out, got our nails done, and we went to lunch. I had a cup of soup. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been watching, like, you know, even when you're not with me, you're eating well. Like, it's not like... I switched to vodka and club soda. I don't drink beer. I'm not even drinking wine. Yeah, she hasn't... She likes her wine, but she hasn't really gone to it mm -mm. because of the same issues. Because there's a lot of sugar and a lot of carbs. Now, yes, vodka still has calories, but I'm drinking vodka and club soda. I'm not, I'm like, I'm, I haven't touched a beer in a month. And I, every Which is good because it saves my stock from going Well, out. see, that's normally what, what would happen is I, I would drink my wine and I'd be like, oh, I'll have a beer too or something. And I'm like, I'm trying, like, desperately. I know this is another Neko rant, but, like, I, I'm just upset because I was already, we had lost, um, both of us had, I had lost, like, 75 pounds and he had lost like 150 pounds. Actually, like when he first initially lost it, it was like 175. And then he's regained a little bit and I've regained a little bit too. But I still wanted to lose more. Like I was just at a plateau. And then all of a sudden, like my hormones, and it's because I'm older and I'm a woman and I had a hysterectomy. It's, tough. it's tougher. And, well, I had a hysterectomy. And so all my hormones are off the chart because they're all fucked up because there's no more hormones in me. So I don't know if I need more hormones or whatever, but uh, the doctor basically said, I'm going to go tomorrow after we play racquetball up to the place um, that's, that we went to when you got your um, your drug test for work um, for, for the DOT or whatever. It's in the same building, same place I went before. I'm going to go get my blood work done. And he said after he reviews the blood work, then um, he'll decide what he wants to do. Um, but I don't know. He's a pretty smart doctor. He's been my doctor for a long time. I don't know if he is going to... No, that's fair. Because like, I think this is like... He may have to just kick it up a notch with that particular drug. Well, there's other drugs that kind of I mean, Look how long it took to get my fucking blood pressure. Right? It's, it's, I know. And the thing is, there's also drugs that kind of work in sync with it. So you take like one of one pill and one of another pill. And it kind of like... Kind of like with yours, where you take the potassium and you take the blood pressure medicine to keep, like, to make sure your electrolytes are similar. I'm just, like, distraught because, like, nothing fits me well anymore. And I still wanted to lose more weight and I've gained weight. And I'm, like, I literally probably am going to just need to 
I, I left the bike out even after this. I might ride on it again. Like, I... Well, that's the thing, too. Like, the bike is pretty easy. Like, I should be doing more of that when I have the time just because, you know, it, it's easy. Actually, like, right now, I kind of got my game going on in the background and on automatic, and so, like, I should just, like, bring it down. It's super light, too. And that's the thing. Like, you can sit in front of the TV upstairs and just ride it, mm -hmm. even softly. You don't have to ride mm -hmm. hard, just softly, but just to keep the meat legs moving and... All that good shit. I'm just, I guess I'm just frustrated with, I feel like I'm out of control with my body and I'm trying to have control with my food and my life. And, and I, I even told the doctor, I was like, you know, everything that happened with my mom last year and I was working very stressed out and upset. I didn't gain weight. I actually lost weight, like right when my mom was really sick. I get happy because August is basically when I kind of started making the transition to get out of that job because my mom started it was better and she's working and all too and now it's like what the f uh now you decide to balloon up and it was it's daddy stress it must be i don't know and it, it's like there's not even a lot for us to be stressed out about right now i'm very excited i'm getting ready to go well out. it's not but subconsciously we we talked about this by ourselves about how your parents you know they're very conservative and they don't believe in the covid and even though they know it exists they kind of treat it as they if both it's got just, it. yeah they treat it as if it's really no big deal but your mom you know your mom is you know getting over to leukemia we, but that's something that can pop up again anytime mm -hmm. you really don't want to push your buttons with that kind of stuff so even if you're not like outright thinking about it 24-7, it could be in the back of your mind, like, God damn, I don't want her to relapse because I'm getting ready to go back out again. And I know, and you know, and then I, but, like, it's the same thing. I have to convince myself this, because I have started taking a stand, like, with, with my father and all, like, I... And that's the other thing, too, because of the whole, like, let's move here, and they've been telling you, like, let's just, you need to move here, and, like, we're not ready for that yet. We're still... Well, I, I'm like, I have to work, like, 25 more years, because you got, they're retired, and I know they want everybody all in the same place, and I'm like, I can't do that. And then I'm also, like, worried, because if I'm not right there and something happens, my father's a bad caretaker, so there's going to be nobody to take care of her properly. And then I'm also worried because if something else would happen, where they are thinking about moving are no good hospitals, like no good cancer. They let the air flyer to Maryland. Well, if, if, if it was an emergency, they would, but she would have to come to University of Maryland. And guess what? We're right by University of Maryland. My work is 10 minutes from University of Maryland Hospital. So, like, in my brain, I'm like, it makes sense to be within a... And I, an hour is kind of like what I, I, cause if I move an hour away, it gets me closer to where they want to be. Um, but still keeps me close enough to work and close enough to the hospital. There's so many things like that, but that's like, right now our lives are pretty good. Like everybody's healthy and happy. We're fixing up the house, talk, talking about, oh, we're going to, I'm going to make a beautiful kitchen for myself and we had all these upgrades to our house in the last year. Like, it's been fucking awesome. Like, after my mom got better, but I'm like, there's no way in the world I'm eating enough calories in one month that I gained 25 pounds. Especially in August. Like, 
no no sense at all and that's i just coming from the doctor today just put me in a really bad like defeated mood like <sighs> i just feel like shit and i don't i i i wish I could get control of all of this and maybe maybe the doctor is just gonna after he sees my blood work he's gonna be like you know what, melissa this is easy peasy this is what we're gonna do yeah all right well anyway we've got some uh other topics we're gonna discuss uh one of them we're gonna split in two halves uh regarding celebrities and the dangers of idolization mm-hmm. uh gonna talk a little about harley quinn the animated series i've been watching on uh, hbo max and we're you know Neko's been kind of vocal about the things that she feels are better about this than the live-action stuff, which has some valid points, which we'll get into. And, of course, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the evils of sugar-free gummy bears. Oh, my God. Uh, on top of all that, got some new music coming your way as far as Descent, Cruel Bomb, The Mist, Fossilization, also got some Vortec, Mechana. Capado and uh, Fatuous Rump a little later. Got a request or a dedication. I said I'm going out to Kevin Tarrant, uh, one of our biggest fans. He's our biggest fan. A little fan. later. But uh, he sent me a dedication. Oh, really? And uh, Longbill, it's one of the bands that he's very familiar with, uh, friends with. It was really kind of cool because he said they like called him and mm-hmm. you know so I'm I'm happy for him. And uh, that band is Tombstone Blue, and we're kicking our first block off with Crown of None. Thanks, Kevin, for this, and here we go.
everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 to noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. me last night man let me tell you oh i could hear it downstairs yeah it was like oh, man it was like a a rainfall of just crap i warned him so neko went yesterday and you know she went to i went I, I went to cvs and this is how they they entrap me every single time but the last time i went to cvs it was literally i was picking up um again because i have a million allergies and I went to the dermatologist I was having an allergic reaction picking up a cream for my breakout that I had and um, as I was checking out at the pharmacy they're like oh you have like $20 and extra bucks and if you guys don't have CVS around you extra bucks are basically like it's like a gift card to use there and um, but you have an expiration date and it's because you spent so much because I go to CVS all the time, love CVS. Um, I wish, I, side note, yesterday, when they were talking about the shelves being bare, they were fucking bare at CVS. I was looking, cause I was like, oh, I have all these extra bucks to buy like, you know, beauty products and stuff. I was a little disappointed cause there wasn't a whole lot of shit there and they're starting to carry like Korean skincare and stuff. So regardless, I was um, in, you know, in the middle of CBS where they have like the seasonal items. I they had, <laughs> I picked up for myself some fleece line leggings, so my legs will be toasty and warm while I'm, you know, working. Um, and then I saw the candy, and I'm like, oh God, Scott and I would really like a little treat. So I um, I picked up some sugar-free candy because, as you heard in my rant before. I am trying to lose weight, I'm trying to eat better, but I wanted a little treat. And I looked at the calories and the sugar content, and I'm like, this is great. And I found one small bag of sugar-free gummy bears, and he loves gummy bears. So I'm like, all right, this whole bag, if he eats this whole bag, it's like 160 calories. Oh, that's nothing. That's like a nice little treat. But when it's sugar-free, it has that xylitol in it, and I know from my own personal experience what happens. 
So I come home and I say, I, I, I message him and say, I got you a surprise. I'm on the way home. I come home and I'm like, hey, so here's a bag of gummy bears. It's sugar free. And here's a bag. They, it's Swedish fish. It's sugar free. And then I had two pieces of the sugar free. Um, it's like chocolate caramel pecan, like the turtle. I had two pieces of that last night because I controlled myself and did not eat the entire bag. Um, regardless, I warned him. I'm like, I've had sugar-free candy before and it can upset your stomach if you eat too much of it. And he's like, okay, I'll see how it goes. Yeah, I started off with like maybe six pieces and I'm like, that's not bad, you know. And I was just not, because it was right before dinner, so I ate the rest of the bag. It wasn't a huge bag, but then, like, later on after dinner, and then I was actually sitting down with it. I mean, it was it was a good two hours later. I was sitting down with, like, my ice cream, and all of a sudden, like, the stomach just started grumbling and rumbling and talking, and it was like, mm. yeah, I don't know. So I went upstairs, let loose the cracking for a little bit, came back down. must have been maybe five minutes later. I'm back up there again, just... And she can hear it all the way down. And I said, I told you! And I'm just like, oh, laughing. And it's like, oh my god. But then she kind of mentioned today, like, while she was at work, that there's reviews from people who have, you know, eaten stuff like this before. I, I, I told my, my desk mate what happened. I said, you know... I've done it myself, and I warned him, and it really went right through him, like, pfft. and he's laughing, and he's like, Google, um, sugar-free gummy bears, and I'm like, okay, and I, go I did, and then he I messaged Anubis, and I said, Google sugar-free gummy bears, and he did, and he's, like, copying and pasting me things, like, all these crazy-ass reviews. Because you got people from all walks of life, and one that I read was a person that was actually going to college, and in order to take a test, they didn't want to, like, they were on lack of sleep, so the first thing they're doing is, you know, they're like, how am I going to stay up? So they're, you know, drinking coffee or whatever, they went to the local store, bookstore, and they had little snacks there, so they picked up, like, two for one for the gummy bears. Now, they're not realizing that they're sugar-free, but they're just like, okay, great. So they eat it on the way to class, and the funny thing about it is, now the way they word it is very clever, because it's just the description of everything that's going on throughout the whole process. But they're like, you know, the, the professor asks if anyone needs to go to the bathroom because they're not going to allow them to leave uh, the classroom once it starts, once the test starts. So... The person's, like, not feeling anything at that point, but the way they're describing it is, like, you know, the demon bears haven't kicked in yet or not. And then eventually, as the test is going on, like, through each each question, like, they're describing the, the pain and the, the grumbling, and people in the classroom are looking at them sideways. Like, last night I'm on the chair, and my stomach was ripping up, and Neko's looking at me like, <laughs> you know, knowing that something's not going I heard. It was... Even like a normal like oh I have like no you know like sometimes it is a very bad sound yeah it's you know like the tummy growling or like oh yeah I'm just I just ate so you have like the kind of feel no it was like and I looked at him I said I told you so and he's like <laughs> and then it hit him again and he's like 
Maybe you're right. Uh, and then it was like, up the steps, bathroom door shuts, and I can hear what is happening. That's how explosive this was. And I'm not trying to be disgusting, but it was ex- explosive. Yeah, like, I think you just heard that Jeff Daniels clip from Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, yes, that was me. That's was what like, it was. Legs are straight out. You're like, and then today I was jokingly talking to my desk mate and he, and I was like maybe this is what I should do to lose weight <laughs> some people have mentioned it's like a true cleansing because you oh, really ripped rip through some shit there oh, I mean god. I was making soup for everybody oh my night. god and I you know I just wanted because he loves gummy bears like when I would go Sometimes to, it's just better to get me the regular shit. Yeah, but I was like saying to myself, you know, we used to get the big guy from the Sam's oh, Club. Oh, yeah. And it would be like a barrel of gummy bears. Oh, it's it, terrible and so good. Oh, God. We love them. And the big thing, cheese. this is why we're fat. Like, this is why, you know, he was, I was oh, way over 200 pounds and he was at like 400 and this is how you get fat so we are trying to be healthier and be i more mean technically you could have a barrel that you just have to really watch how many eat and that and then we're, we're probably you know what I'd we're have a to lot do? better now than we ever i were. would have to do like i'd have to put them in, the in ziplocs because if if you don't you just sit there and yeah but uh anyway there are reviews from people who've done this so i'm just gonna read a few because they're kind of hilarious they are really fucking hilarious so the first person's like yeah the past time I read the article about Hiroshima and Nagasaki on Wikipedia. Perhaps I felt a kinship with the victims of the attacks because it was like a nuclear bomb had gone oh off in my Oh my bowels. god. Um, if regular diary is fat man and little boy, the effect of these villainous bears on my anus was a Caesar bomba. Uh, another one is a delicious treat that should be enjoyed only after the following preparations have been made. One, Make sure it's Friday and cancel all weekend plans. For good measure, go ahead and call in for Monday. <laughs> call the city. Make sure your water bill is paid in <laughs> <laughs> Visit your local hardware store and purchase a sl- uh, sink attachment for your garden. What? Hose. What? Yeah. Visit your local hardware store and purchase a sink attachment for your garden hoses. Toilet paper will quickly become too painful. <laughs> oh my god! And those are just a few. And like I said, those didn't even include the one that I read about the college person because they went through a big paragraph. But really, you can Google sugar-free gummy bear reviews, and you'll come out with so much shit that will just have you in hysterics. Because man, I could not stop laughing from a lot of this. Jesus Christ! But it's the reality of how you feel because I told Neko last night. I was like. There's a good reason why I don't eat this kind of shit while I'm on the road driving for Amazon because there is nowhere to go to the bathroom, dude. And the pain becomes so severe that, like, the breach will happen. Like, the the college person was, like, even making a, an analogy with the orcs at Helm's Deep, you know, trying to break it down. <laughs> that's how they describe the shit that's happening in their body. And she's like, you know, or he or she's like, you know, I just had to do everything I could not to let them breach. Jesus Christ. And that's the thing. Like, it becomes so painful. that, Like, if I'm sitting in my chair downstairs, if I don't go upstairs, like, it's going to just happen. 
We right. always whole, say, never, never trust, trust a, a fart. fart. And that's true. You can never do it. Not in this household. Not, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so check them out. They're pretty funny. All right, in our second group of music, new stuff from The Mist, Cruel Bomb, but here's some brand new Insecurity, The Worst of Days.
right, DJ Nubis. And DJ Nico. Back with you. Talk a little bit about. I don't know what. The dangers of treating celebrities like gods or oh idols. Oh my god, yes. And let's face it, we all have those celebrities, athletes, or musicians that we idolize and really like. And, you know, sometimes we have like really good cases where when we meet them, they're humble and very friendly. I mean, we in our metal music, we've met quite a few metal musicians that are very kind and you know they're very great with their fans and but sometimes we do forget that they're just people and they're humans and like and, and luckily enough for metal musicians and fans that when we meet them we have that kind of I would say it's not as shock and awe as it is say like when I was like eight and met Chuck Norris, you know, like he's kind of walking by, signing stuff, and he's got the the sunglasses on. He's just kind of being a star, you know. I mean, it's not to say Chuck never took time out for a young kid, but like he kind of just passed by me with without a second glance. You know, it's it's just one of those things. He was so big uh, in the metal community. We're lucky enough to where when we go to festivals or shows that these guys are walking around, and we. Despite the fact that we do praise them and idolize them in some ways, they're still kind of down to earth. Uh, but if you go and say, I don't know, back in 1988, 89, if you meet guys from like Rad or Def Leppard, it could be a whole different experience because of how big they were compared to what we have now. Uh, but then there's the other side with all the actors and actresses and athletes and you know, I, I got lucky enough to meet John Elway when I was like 15. Uh, I didn't spend a lot of time bothering him. I just got an autograph and was on my way. But uh, it's one of the rare cases where he had not a bunch of people hounding him or whatever. But the thing that we... This is going to be like part one of a part two thing that Neko had, had brought up. Because the second part is, is a bit more on the darker side. But... Even so, this first part is going to kind of talk about both because there are good moments with celebrity idolization or praise, and then there's like this part where we see it with. I'm just going to bring it up Harry Potter, okay? So you have your Harry Potter fans that are out there. They love the stars, they love the author, they love this and that, but then someone like J.K. Rowling, who was so revered uh, as an author of the books, Within the last five years, she has managed to alienate some of that. She fell from grace. Yeah, because of the... Her uh, anti-LGTBQ rhetoric. Which, I've... You know, there's things about JK, things that she says on Twitter, especially during the Trump era, that I disagreed with in terms of how she handled it on Twitter, but... Then when she made her comments about how she didn't believe that transgender women are actually women, uh, even though she's very fine with them getting the same kind of rights and all that, she just disagrees that they she would classify as women, which is kind of where I am, just in the sense that I'm one of those people that... Well, what if they went through the whole procedure? No, I get it. We have the technology and science to do that, but I'm also belief that you're born who you are. And it's kind of a weird thing because we talk about how men are supposed to be a little more sensitive. Or we, we had this discussion on another episode. But 
if you have a guy who's a bit feminine and feels like he should be a woman, well, why can't he just be a feminine male? So the point for me is, and my belief so it has nothing to do with religion, just just biological, that if you're born a man, you're born a man. Um, but what if he gets a sex change? Then that's fine, but that's, that's, that's a choice. But then he's technically a woman, because he got a sex change. That's fine, too. I'm just saying, my belief. Are you talking about full surgery transgender people or just transgender people who have decided that this is who they are, but they didn't go if with I wanted surgery? To tra- if I wanted to transgender into a dog, would I be okay to do that? Would you consider me a dog at that point? I would. <laughs> I mean, I, the, only reason I, I, the only reason I even ask this is because that is kind of like the dividing line that I see a lot of people put up. With uh, the transgender versus fully transitioned person. The reason, like, clearly, if you're going to go and get all the very dangerous and very expensive surgery, you're a woman. Or you're a man. Clearly. That is how I feel. Um, I understand where people come from. And, and I say this biologically only for, like, medical, especially, reasons. Because... If you haven't transitioned fully and you still have a penis but you're identifying as a woman, I think, like, in the medical field, you should definitely tell the doctors that you have a penis. You, you know, like, that kind of thing is, is serious. Like, okay, I still have testosterone. I still, like, I have, a, I have a penis. I have not fully transitioned. But you as a person can still identify as a woman, but there are times where you need to say, listen... I identify as a woman, but I still have male parts because See, that's that's just a different discussion for me. Like I'm, I just I can accept that someone who either transgender or transitions into a woman, I can accept that science has allowed you to do that. What I'm saying is, so are they allowed to check the female box? Yeah, once they've done it all, yeah, but I don't give a shit. Like they can say they're uh, a shim, I guess was we a term, but. but my problem is, is that if we didn't have the science and technology to do it, would you as a male still be able to classify you as a female? I even even though you felt like as a male you belonged in female, if you could not do it, like if technology wasn't there and science wasn't there, would you, given where you are in your stance right now, say, yeah, that guy just identifies as a woman, he can be a woman, even though he has, a, you know, male parts and everything. In my personal position, this is going to sound bitchy. Bitchy? And the only reason I say no is just from my personal position is because then I'd have to have a fucking roommate because there's no other female splicers. Um, right. And so that's my only thing. Like, I can accept it when it happens. the beauty about me female. I right. always have my own room. But if you're born a man or born a woman, I believe that's what was intended for you. Not by God, just by bio- biology. But if you, because we do have the science and technology to do that, change things like that, knock yourself out. Like, if you really feel like you need to be a woman, do it. That's fine. Um, it's not like I don't have any distaste or hatred for anyone who wants to change sexes it doesn't mean anything to me because it's not my business but if you're just asking me like in jk's position like she's someone who fights for gay rights and everything else 
just because she has a personal view about her own like viewpoint of women and what like she probably feels the same way like if you're born a man you should probably be a man because that's what was intended she probably wouldn't you know go up and say well i'm not going to treat you fairly because you decided to be a woman that's not i don't think that's really what she's saying but people i think the problem is she tweeted it right and And it was you can't explain anything in a tweet that's the worst part about twitter is that she can't sit there and explain like you like jk probably should have written like a a paragraph or a page or two about how she felt and where her position was but instead you tweet shit and that automatically will put you under the axe and people don't oftentimes want to read shit um, this is one of the things that happened just in another case where Emma Watson and JK were re- just re-talking about the Ron and Hermione relationship and how that really wouldn't work given in a real-life circumstance. And that sent people off in a big angry thing because, you know, everyone liked the whole romantic part about Ron and Hermione, including this guy. I know. But, and, and I agreed with them. I was like, yeah, you know, in real life that shit doesn't happen. <laughs> That the pretty girl does not fall for the nerdy boy. It just does not happen. That's what he's saying. The pretty girl did fall for the sharp looking dude. (laughs) 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 But, uh, so come back around, just like, you know, we, we sometimes, like, we see it in politics and everything else, especially with the Trump era, how celebrities were coming out of the woodwork on Twitter and everything else speaking out against Trump and that's fine we get it uh, but then we tend to like put these people on pedestals so much that we don't need we stop thinking for ourselves and, and then we exactly exactly and then it's like with JK she's there are people that I know who are supporters of LGBTQ who are huge Harry Potter fans and they don't even want to be fans of Harry Potter anymore because they feel like her oh, yeah. o- her opinions are like just impacting the the Harry Potter story so much and for me and because I I'm not like I I'm allied to the gays allied to the LGBTQ anything I'm allied well, to everybody it's so, it's so bad to say but we have a lot of friends who are gay. <laughs> And people say, well, that doesn't mean you're not, you know, a bigot. I'm like, that's not true. Like, people don't understand how race and, and sexism and all that works. People who are racist want nothing, absolutely nothing to do with people of other colors. They don't want anything to do with it. The David Dukes, all those guys, they you won't catch them shaking hands with black people or nothing. They don't do that. No, they don't. And then they're not supportive and they're... I would say, and this is no lie, we had about 100 people at our wedding. Probably 25 of Percent them, of them. Yes. Were, were gay. Yes. And even though it shocked some of our family members, we're confident enough in ourselves and our friendships and the love for My those people. My maid of honor right. is a lesbian. So, and we're still very good friends with she and her wife. We just hung out years. <laughs> I mean, good this years. is not... This is not even like a discussion about that. What we're saying is we're, we see people like JK shooting herself in the foot mm-hmm. by running herself, running her mouth. And then we put her because she has like that story of coming from 
you know, being in poverty yeah, and a being a bad marital situation. And now she's this, you know, billion dollar author and we put her up so high that her one little tweet has made people hate Harry Potter who loved it because they have so much invested into the story and then they realize the creator has posted this horrible thing that offends them. I am not a Harry Potter fan, so I can easily step back and say, well, I can separate JK from Harry Potter. But if you are a huge Harry Potter fan and you're also part of the LGBTQ community, I can understand how pissed off you would be. Like, this bitch has just ruined my life because when I say there are... Anubis is a little bit of a Potterhead, but when I say Potterheads, like... I went to brunch. I don't dress up to go see no, the movies. No, no, no. He's seen all the movies. He enjoyed But I didn't even read the books. That's the other thing. Like, I enjoy the movies, and I know that people will say the books are better and blah, blah, blah. I don't care about all that. But I do enjoy fantasy films, and it doesn't matter where it is. I, I was kind of surprised that I would end up liking Harry Potter because in the 90s, as you probably heard me talk before, I worked in a bookstore, and Harry Potter, the books were like, selling like hotcakes i could not fathom why they were so popular and was that in the the goosebumps you said yeah like? yeah those things like i never read them i knew of them and you know it's fine because i you know like parents would come in for those harry potter books and stuff and the goosebumps and they would just be like okay but you don't have this number edition or this one or this one. I'm like, well, I, You're I like, try. what does it even matter? I'm like, I can try to order it, but like, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so even after the first movie came out, no interest in seeing it. I think it was at your dad's, your parents' house. That I had it. Okay, so it was Chamber of Secrets, and I caught the second you, half of it. Do you remember when I was in that? I mean, this is how old we are because you young people out there if we even have any young people um you remember like the C cd clubs and the DV mm -hmm. dvd clubs and it's like oh you can get 10 cds for a penny but then you had to like subscribe for like three months but you had to remember to cancel it i did the dvd thing and remember i got the first season of law and order i got harry potter i got a bunch of those dvds that we have in our cabinet and then I either, like, canceled the credit card or whatever and just, you know, I never kept up with the membership. And um, that's how you saw the first Harry Potter because I had the, um, the DVD of it. And at that point, they were already up to number, like, three. Uh, two. Two. Because I saw the second half of Chamber of Secrets and I was watching just because I think it was, like, Christmas or something. I don't know, but... I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, well, this is pretty good. I might need to check out the whole thing. <coughs> and I don't want to make this totally Harry Potter, but... But this is a good This is a good segue into what we're going into because this is very... I don't want to say it's benign because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but this is benign compared to the things that I learned on our next topic about David Bowie. Yeah. So, you know, I initially, like I said before, I initially thought each Harry Potter film was, like, a new story. It wasn't until, like, the fourth one that I realized, oh, well, Voldemort's an integral part of all of this. Didn't know that. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, here it is, J.K., and this is the problem sometimes with celebrities, they get online, 
And at some point, you shoot yourself in the foot, as JK did. Like, whether it's a lack of explaining everything that you mean by it, or if you just shouldn't have said anything at all. Then you have other people like Alyssa Milano. I grew up watching her shows and her, and her as a kid and, and movies and stuff. And, like, I disagree highly with her when it comes to politics because she's a fucking nut job. Beautiful woman, probably not that dumb, but her politics suck ass. And she's very hypocritical with a lot of things. So, But beyond that, some people take her what she says and they run with it and they don't really learn to be objective about whatever these celebrities say. So that's the dangers, really, when it comes to how we perceive these people it's both bad for how we react to what they say but bad for sometimes how we crush them jk being an example she wasn't even included in the reunion show that the harry potter people had just done for hbl max like you had everybody involved in interviews because she was she's a pariah now Right, and whether or not J.K. said, look, I'm not going to bring this heat down on you guys, you guys do your thing, or they just said, we're not going to include you because of this. Uh, it was even difficult for Radcliffe and Watson and Rupert Grant to even, because they're friends with J.K., they, they, they grew up with her being next to them while these films are being made, so they were very friendly with her. But even they kind of disagree with what she said. But even if, even if that's not something, again, that she's ever clarified, <clears throat> I don't think J.K.'s ever been given a chance to really, like, go straight out and say, this is what I meant when I said this. Maybe she doesn't care. Who knows? In the end, like, with athletes, we, we see it a lot of times. Uh, sometimes they're given passes when they're really kind of, like, pretty big pieces of shit. Or, or they get passes. I'll give you a good example. Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. With the COVID thing. He didn't want to get his, his uh, COVID vaccine for whatever reason, and that's his prerogative. But he said he had been... Oh, what he didn't say vaccinated. He said he had... Other methods. Yeah, so. and he didn't use the word vaccinated. So, like, when people ask him... And then when it finally came to light that he was not vaccinated, it turned into a shit show. And they also found out he wasn't 100% following the non-vaccinated COVID protocols. Which, what happened to us last year with our, um, our quarterbacks, basically all of our quarterbacks were together and not wearing masks. And we had to put, like... A fourth stringer in as a fucking way to put in our wide, wide receiver who's like our fifth string. <laughs> so it wasn't even like a, a good one. So like, not even know. somebody we brought up from the fucking. Uh, There's a lot of hypocrisy with Goodell and the NFL going back to last year when that happened, and we had we if were. You're a good team, and you're popular. They're not going to punish Aaron Rodgers. The Ravens and Steelers got pushed and pushed and pushed. They had all these players that were on the COVID list. And just like this year, we were forced to play games where we had our last game of the year. Uh, You know, which you could say was unfair to Drew Locke when we go back into that football topic. Uh, He didn't even have his starting receivers in that game. So, like, we're forced to play a game, and then other teams are like, well, we're going to hold off for a couple days and – Get these guys clear so you're, you know, your stars can play for these other teams. And that's just bullshit. And it's because 
they were the money maker. They were like the, and they did it this year. They've bumped <clears throat> many games because it's like we're heading into playoffs. Right. We gotta make sure we we give them a fair chance. But if you're if you're not as important, they're not gonna give you that fair chance. This is the celebrity status. When you are a celebrity, mm-hmm. look at Tom Cruise, king of Scientology, but he's Tom Cruise. And nobody, like, if you're in the lower echelon of Scientology, you have no idea what you go through. And it's, it's kind of interesting and insane, and it's really interesting to me because of working on a ship. That's... When you're not, when you don't have the money to buy yourself into Scientology, you have to start off working on their fucking ship, which I've seen, and it's a beautiful ship. What fucking religion does that? Like, you're if you're a celebrity, and Leah Remini, if if you love her or hate her, she has been blowing the whistle on Scientology for years after she got herself out. She got herself out, and she got her mother out. And I find that. You know, people look at Tom Cruise because he's handsome and makes amazing um, movies, and he does. But he, you know, he's Tom Cruise, so knowing that he's a Scientologist, you don't want to, uh, you know, you're like, oh, he's just a Scientologist. He's just, you know, he's, he's not really involved. He just buys his way. The It is insane and you have and like leo because she she's not a tom cruise level uh celebrity but she's had like she's made a lot of money she was on the king of queens she and she is explaining like what goes on there the girl that i love god i can't think of her name right now who was in mad men um peggy oh yeah <coughs> well either way the, the, next, the next part of it we're going to get into a lot more of that uh, Elizabeth, uh, what's her face? Moss. Yeah, Scientologist. Uh, you know the next portion of this, where it's going to get a bit more crazy because the best comparison and what she has planned with regarding David Bowie is like R. Kelly and the difference in how they're treated. So we'll get into all that after the rock block. Um, right now, not we're just R. Kelly, Elvis Presley. Oh yeah, I know. We'll get into that. Uh, Stuff from Silent Obsession, uh, which just sent me a track, uh, email, also new fossilization, but going out to our boy Kevin Tarrant, this is some Nomos, this is police brutality.
everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer, Hate Beak, and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. Getting ready to jump into our rock block. Coming up next. Coming up. In this, we have new stuff from Purple Dawn. Got some classic stuff from Sweet Cheater and Omen. New stuff from Ten Ton Mojo and Alive, as well as Neko's Pick of the Week. And speaking of Ten Ton Mojo, this is from Curtain Calls. This is called Bad Love, and we'll be back.
looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics who do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you
right. Sweet Cheetah. Immortal Instant. Sweet Cheetah. Yeah, I always think of, uh, the minute I see that name, I think of Rat, because they have a song called that, but uh, <laughs> I doubt that's from them. Or at least the name didn't come from them, I'm pretty sure. Cool name, though. All right, so Neko with her pick of the week, and I... yeah, I don't know. Like, it's funny when I think about this song because there's another song on the same album that I like way more than this one. But I do remember this one being like played to death. I'm gonna touch on that because interestingly, this band's roots is more in the hard rock, heavy metal uh, vein. And uh, they they were formed in Boston, and they are not Boston, so ew. Ew. Um, they were formed in Boston, like mid to late eighties, and um, the way that they came up with their name was the vocalist and the drummer were in a band called The Dream, <laughs> mm -hmm. and the guitarist was in a band called Sinful and they just kind of like fucked with it and came up with their band name and what I found really interesting was they were writing songs together and were performing continuously in the New England area in the you know mid to late 80s and they even got outstanding hard rock heavy metal act in the Boston Music Awards so, when Porno Graffiti came out... Hint, hint. Hint, hint. <laughs> uh, the guitarist, Nuno Betancourt, was showcasing some of his acoustic side. And um, the song that's in question... <laughs> uh, I know a song you like more. And um, I actually like this and you know I I like them all. It was this this album like went platinum. It hit number one on the Hot 100. It 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 pre like it premiered at I think. 82 but like in a couple of weeks it was at number one it was just taking off and I they didn't really mean for this song to become it's kind of like Aerosmith's dream on like dream on Wait, you're saying that they didn't expect this song to take off like it did mm -mm. Huh. Same, like with same Aerosmith says the same thing about Dream On. Yeah, see, I don't know how much I buy into that because this is what an eighty-nine album. I think a ninety-one or ninety, ninety. Because by then, like the biggest thing about the hair rock stuff was that ballads, the ballads. were really the big thing. Yeah, the producer had previously worked with Dokken and White Lion, mm -hmm. and White Lion had some of those monster ballads that you can think of. When the children cry. And the, the funny thing is, make this that song's very special to me. That's going on. <laughs> you gotta put, I, I forgot about that song, so you gotta put that on my list, and we'll hit it in a couple of weeks before I Little leave. Little child. But seriously, that song, there. when I was in dance, and you gotta think, 10-year-old me, you know, I'm just trying to be like one of the big girls and, you know, I want to dance and be good. So they did a 
like senior and like I was only 10 so younger girl combo dance and you got to be picked special she's tearing up I am. and I got picked the memories I got picked to be special in the dance when the children cry and um it was adorable but anyway we're not talking about that we are talking about more than words by extreme so what's interesting is um they wrote this song well Betancourt is saying that they wrote the song this way but they were writing it ironically because he, he maybe ironically is not the right word I'm looking for he was fed up about people always throwing around the L word you know I love you gets thrown around so so easily so that's where the phrase more than words came from and he was describing it as a warning that saying I love you is becoming meaningless. Okay. You know, like, you know, you meet somebody two days, I love you. Mm -hmm. You may not really love them, but you like them a lot or you lust after so them. So it's just kind of like the marriage license has become useless. Yeah, so that's kind of how where this song started. And what really kind of, what they wanted to say is there's other ways to say I love you than just saying I love you. So they were on tour with Aerosmith ironically, Aerosmith, and that's when they said they would not play the song. They didn't want to do it because, like, they were tired of the song, and Steven Tyler writes in big letters on their dressing room, play the fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I'm saying, like, the, like, Aerosmith, how many albums and all kinds of they've got like boogie type songs they've got hard rock type songs but everybody wants to hear fucking dream on and that's not even like well, that, their style per well it's se. so funny too because maiden we know from a few years back the whole Ozfest thing they didn't want to play all the hits they were actually this is one of the things that you and i were like mm -hmm. talking i was like dude we get it you have a lot of great material but People go to your concerts to hear all the hits, all the big, the big name songs. And luckily for us, when we went to see the Seventh Son of a Seventh Son tour, where they, they played did Seventh Son, but then they did all their hits at the end. Right, and that's and that's great, and that's fine. I appreciate that because that's what I really came to see. Uh, it wasn't about like not appreciating Maine for being like I like. We have to go back and revisit Number of the Beast because that entire round is pretty good outside of the hits. So. It's not about appreciating the other songs that are on these albums that they have, but, like, Aerosmith and Tyler, they have it right. Like, when you're playing a concert, man, people come to see these hits. Mm -hmm. And so, I know that, it, I, I think of it in terms of, if I was a musician, I was in a band, and this kind of shit was going on, that I would have, in a perfect world, not as toured as much like i would have spread it out because i think what happens with these bands and these artists they, they do get tired of playing but the same song this is also back then when they're under we always talk about van uh not van halen death leopard when they're touring touring mm -hmm. touring they get put under that pressure by their labels yeah that's kind of what was happening because they had had some hits and especially in europe they were bigger you know hitting the charts more than they were here but then all of a sudden they write this ballad that is completely 
not their style and they're this, i think this is their third album porno graffiti second one. second one okay yeah. so but this is the one that really catapulted them so that's what kind of like really took them like this and then wholehearted and it all just but this song everybody could get into so like during their club days and stuff when they're being like more punkish and and hard rockish and stuff that's not what the record label wanted they wanted to basically abuse this song why do you we've seen those documentaries when they're like you know the the salespeople and the execs would go around to radio stations and they just hand them singles this is a single this is and it appeals to everyone because it's a rock folk ballad like it's not offensive it's very and sung so well and it's like yeah my, my biggest problem with this song is it it's got not, played out yeah no it, it's just that it, it, it's not even a big problem it's just that you know, whole heart is another acoustic track towards the end of the record. That was that. But also that one's more well. like a little bit more up. Yeah, like, it's this got is a little pep to this it. This is literally an acoustic. This guitar. one's very slow. It almost reminds me a little bit of Mr. Big. Uh, what's the song they had? Really? Yeah, it has that very kind of same vibe, and that happened the same thing with Mr. Big because they played the shit out of that song. So, I get it. And the thing is, Def Leppard, as you mentioned, like they they ran with it. Like you know, their company said, look. You guys just released Love Bites off Hysteria, and it's, it's hitting really big. We're going to run that single for a while. You just kind of have to keep touring. Then all of a sudden, Pour Some Sugar Me, Armageddon It, and then later on Hysteria. Like, these songs, they just could not get away from that record. Like, they just kept, it was staying at number one, and I, I'm not sure how long this record for Extremes lasted up there, but I'm sure the record execs said the same thing, especially by 1990, because they'd already seen what Def Leppard had just done. They're like, dude, you guys, if you try to rush out another record, you're going to miss the opportunity to make all this money because this single is still very number one. People are voting for it. You know, they're liking it. The album's still selling well. Just keep running the course. And they, you know, I can't remember which came first. I don't know if it was this one or Wholehearted, but they both, like... I think it was this one. Yeah. And then they followed up with Wholehearted. Yeah, and it just continued to keep pushing that record, and... I think, what was it, by the time, um... The one after this... Three? Yeah, the third... Two Sides of the Story or some shit? Um, that was an interesting thing for them because that was probably 92 or 91. I remember when it came out and they had this one single and I was like, this is pretty... I can't remember the damn song. It was the one where they were fighting with neighbors, mm -hmm. yeah. And it was different. It was good, but it was different than what they had just done in terms of the rock thing. And even by the fourth album, it was a lot more different because they were starting to dabble with the, the alternative rock, even though the one big single they have was called Hip Today, which was a, uh, a nod to the fact that everything was changing in the music mm -hmm. industry. But, uh... I also think that everybody is comparing more than words to uh, Sound of Silence, uh, Simon and Garfunkel with just like the uh, acoustic guitar and the two um, like harmonizing vocals and that's why it made it easy for people who weren't like me who was you know not even a teenager yet I was 11 and um, I'm enjoying it because I, I like the cool new music and then you know 
people in their 20s are enjoying it and older people are even enjoying it because it's not offensive. And DJ Neko just remembers going to the roller skating rink and, you know, hoping that some nice young man would want to skate couples. Because when it's couple skate, you have to be holding hands. That's the rule. So even if you're skating with a girl, you and your girlfriend have to hold hands. So DJ Neko just remembers, you know, when a cute boy. Would so yeah, that first single. <laughs> you don't even care about me getting asked to couple skate with a cute boy. Three sides of the story was rest in peace, and then. That's it. That's it. Stop the world was the later single. That was like another ballad. But yeah, uh, I mean, I remember roller skating days, but it was far before that song came out. Like I was. I know you're old. Yeah. I'm old too, but yeah. you're older. Older. But uh, yeah. So go ahead, continue with your. You reminiscing. have destroyed my life because you don't let me feel happy because DJ Neko was asked by the, I don't even remember what the cute boy's name is by the way. Shit for brains. I don't know. Oh god. When I was a kid. We had to actually interact with people. And this is like me thinking of me at 11. And to interact with people, you had to go to the mall. You had to go to the roller skating rink. You had whatever. I see my niece and the way she interacts with people is on TikTok. Well, that's a lot different. I know. Not, not as great, but yeah. I just, like, my mom would give me and my sister $20 and we'd go... We both had our own fancy skates, you know, like, because if, you, if you didn't have your fancy skates, you were shit. And mine were, it's mine, pink wheels and white, and then they had, like, a Velcro thing over, and I had pom-poms. Oh, fuck yeah, motherfucker, with a pink toe stop. And um, my sisters were black with teal wheels and teal toe stops. So it was a big deal. Like, you made a big deal about your skates. You decorated them. You you dressed up. Like, I dressed up like a hooker. I don't know how my mother let my sister and I out of the house looking the way we did when we were 11. But we were allowed, somehow. They were hoping to get abducted. abducted. Maybe, maybe. They wanted us to go into the sex trade. Who knows? <laughs> but it was what you did. You expressed yourself. You got... you. you put on your makeup and again I am 11 but it is a very controlled environment Tiffany my best friend would go with us all the time her brother they had what, what was called guards out on the roller skating rink and if somebody like fell down their job was to you know go over to them help them up make sure nobody ran into them if somebody was being an asshole while you're skating on the rink they would like you know grab that person and be like you're being an asshole you're knocking into people so my girlfriend's older brother was like 17 and he worked there too. So my mom felt safe letting us be there as, you know, children enjoying the evening. We would take our $20, we would pay our admission, we'd get a piece of pizza, we could play, they had a little mini arcade. I mean, this was like back in the day we were still allowed to smoke inside. So like moms were smoking at the inside like the little eatery it was crazy but you had to physically interact with people and this song was a couple skate thing big deal couple skate 
this with like the Mr. Big song with the When the Children Cry by White Lion. Every Rose Has a Stone. Every ro- yeah, every monster ballad that came out in the 80s and early 90s was a couple skate song. And I just you know, I think about it sometimes like just with great memories because I don't see a lot of kids now. I know the the skate lane is still around. Like it, it's in business. It's, I almost want to go and be the old lady on her roller skates, and somebody push me over and I break a hip. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you saw me when we were at um, the carousel. I went ice skating for like thirty-five seconds, and I'm like, wow, my legs hurt. Oh yeah. <laughs> I I just I wish that um, the the nights. And I, I did it for years, like even into my high school years. And you, you'd meet cute boys, and you know we were, we had call waiting. Not everybody had call waiting back then. And I know it's just like automatic now that you have call waiting on your. There were no cell phones, but we had call waiting. So what we would do when we got home after, like we gave our number to a cute boy, is we would go home and we'd call the weather or the time number and if you were old enough to know what the weather or the time number is you literally would just call call and it would keep repeating at the sound of the of the tone the time will be 11:30. at the sound of it so we'd call and then we'd wait for the cute boy to call us and we we'd be talking and we're supposed to be in bed but we weren't i i look back at that and i i say to myself like fuck why is it that nowadays I don't see kids even wanting like I hope there are still kids out there like I want to go I want to skateboard in the park I want to go play basketball there's some out there I mean I see kids as I'm delivering they're always outside it just depends like maybe it's just our family is just I mean, look, Riley and, you know, Jackson, they're out there playing. And, you know, Tyler's got other things going. He does sports, but then he hangs out with friends. So part of it is just what we see on a daily basis compared to what they see. So whatever happens at home. We just had nothing else to do at home. Like, when you came home, there was nothing. Mm -hmm. It's like, read a book, read a magazine, listen to music if you're lucky. And you had to listen with headphones. You know, God forbid. So I just, I, I hold these like little memories in my, my mind so dearly because a lot of our interactions today, even I'm guilty of it. I haven't seen like a couple of my best friends and since before Christmas, way before Christmas. Someone having a bad Christmas. Well, I mean, I contact them I text them I talk to them on the phone you know we message through Facebook but I haven't seen them and they live very close you know who I'm talking about Gina and Tiffany Michelle I haven't seen them in a while and I'm like are we just I know this is going down more my like tangents. which reminds me it just has nothing to do with you listeners what are we doing for Super Bowl I should be home for Super Bowl yeah when is Super- if I should be taking off Yes, take off for Super Bowl. My my, this is a tangent. Sorry, people. My my. Oh wait a minute, is Super Bowl the sixth? 
I don't know. You have to look it up. Shit. Because if I'm leaving... We'll do it after you Okay, so... We'll get the song rolling. Okay, we're getting the song rolling. This is extreme more than words. And just remember, young DJ Neko would roller skate in her white and pink roller skates with the cute boy with the bowl cut who actually, like, you held out my hand and he grabbed my hand and pulled me onto the roller rink. He was blonde and he had, like, some chunky highlights. Maybe it was natural. I bet you he was older than me. I bet you he was about 14 and he was, like, just giving me, like, a favor because I was, like... I'm nerdy now, but just imagine me with a bad haircut and my big teeth, like, at 11. Thinking I look cute with blue eyeshadow. Great look. (laughs) (laughs) Here's Neko's. Audio jump. Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. DJ Neko's Pick of the Week.
right, we're back. We're back in black. Yes, I'm back in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now it's time for part two of our don't idolize celebrities and special people that aren't so special. I'm special. <laughs> okay, Gronkowski. Uh, Rob, Gronk, remember commercial? Mm -hmm. I'm special. But what did you call him? Gronkowski. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> Just the way you said Gronkowski, you're like Gronkowski. I'm have a few beers. Fuck you. Well, fuck you. Exactly. I ain't got time for this Mickey Mouse bullshit. Oh my god. The day that I found out where that came from, my life changed. <laughs> so, so, this, what we spoke about earlier, kind of leads into um, an article that I, I read recently about David Bowie. Now, God rest his soul, David Bowie has passed, so even if this would never but if it did go viral and i'm saying these things i'm not disparaging david bowie i'm not saying he's not a great artist or anything but that's that's kind of what happens when celebrities are put on a pedestal people um they can't separate the art from the artist so i'm not ever we we talk about this with black metal too you can't separate the art from the artist the artist maybe like a neo-nazi but i might appreciate something of their music it came to light that, and i didn't know this that you know david bowie had a sexual relationship with Lori maddox who was around 15 and she was one of the many baby groupies between like 12 and 16 who frequently patrolled Sunset Boulevard um, in the 70s and she is claiming she lost her virginity to David Bowie and I'm not saying this is okay because clearly when you are 15 and the age of consent is 18 that is considered statutory rape and even though Maddox is saying everything was consensual is that really okay like and here's the thing before you go any further because you've read up on this more than I have um because I'm going to have some things to say about this, and it's not really about whether it's good or bad, but when it comes to Bowie, like, was he going into these encounters, like, with the knowledge that they were underage? That Did he know? Did they already yes, establish that? Yes, he did. Okay. So, continue. And the reason I, I even, like, kind of... He knew... Or, oh, I'm sorry, she was 14. I don't know what this... Because he's not from California. I don't know what the age of consent in the UK is at Oh, yeah, all. that's true. Because you can drink at a pretty young age in the UK. So I don't know how it is when it comes to sex. But that's not even giving, like, any kind of pass to other celebrities. Like, Elvis Presley 
slept with Priscilla when she was 14. Uh, look at fucking uh, R. Kelly with Aaliyah. Aaliyah yeah. He actually had her birth certificate changed so they could get married and it would be consensual under the eyes of, of the law. Not to mention Woody Allen with his nanny of his child and Roman Polanski with everybody. And a chick, yeah. Yep. It is rampant. And this, you know, it's it's not even just with teenagers. I mean, look what Bill Cosby has gotten away with. Um, the reason I bring this up is because I love David, I love David Bowie. I, I, I mean, I'm, I always am talking about David Bowie to you and the other did you see that that meme i posted with the cat inside that little bubble thing and they like superimposed it and it said here i'm sitting in a tin can like i love space oddity it's like my favorite bowie song um besides modern love uh like i i think of him as he took on all these personas he created like this great music movement he is like we're going back to the lgbtq thing as well yes, champion he was bisexual mm -hmm. but he was with sade for years like i i mean he was a champion for everyone you know like everything but just because he has good things and he's a great artist does it dismiss the fact that he took advantage of underage women when he was you know a star and that's kind of the moral um calamity conundrum i don't know what the right term is but you you think about it like nobody talks about it ever well and that's interesting because this article i'm reading off of the dailybeast.com they mm -hmm. mention they say this is a good paragraph. Um, rock star escapades from the, that period have been glamorized for decades with no regard of, for how disturbing or illegal the behavior was. It became part of the mythos, a disgusting testament to how little the writers documenting the happenings, this is the people back then uh, covering these guys, uh, cared about taking their heroes to task. And it was right there in the music itself. The Rolling Stones sang about underage girls and stray cat blues, and Chuck Berry glorified the teenage groupie and little, sweet little 16 a decade earlier. But we can't look at it with those same eyes today, not if we are sincere about protecting victims and holding celebrities accountable. Now, I know that because growing up in the 70s and 80s and reading books like The Heroin Diaries by Nikki Six from Motley Crue that... And just witnessing young girls, or even my own girlfriend at the time, I remember this clearly, watching, uh, waiting around for a Tesla to come on. They were opening up for Great White, and Kix was the other opener. And during waiting for Tesla, uh, this girl, a few rows up from us at Red Rocks, was you know lifting her shirt up. Attractive chick, but she was probably more like 21 or so. Uh, but she's listening her shirt up, and I think it was the singer Tesla's recording of the fans and everything. And she, next thing I know, she was getting like a, a pass to the backstage. And my girlfriend at the time, like, 
was you know kind of enamored by this like not so much that she really wanted to do that but like she just was like wow she's getting like back says well you should just throw your shirt up she almost was willing to do it and i said no don't be like that that's not the way to really carry yourself you know that's not what you want to be known for but I just, you know, back then, it, it became so common. I'm sure with a lot of rock it, bands. It was common for years. And, and, I, and that's why it's like... Even recent years. One thing about Bowie, like, as much as I respect the, him as the artist and and generally as a person, that... Because if we remember one of his famous things in the 80s was MTV when he's being interviewed. He's like, well, I'm just curious why you don't have any black artists on. This is like early to mid-80s. So this is when the rock thing was really big and... There wasn't much color to it. And he, so he was questioning the DJs, VJ DJs, who were interviewing him. It's like, well, you don't have a lot of black artists on your videos here. But then I sit there and I look back and I said, well, you know, you kind of come off across as a hypocrite. You're here sleeping with underage women. And then you're worrying about, like, whether or not a black artist is being represented on visual television. And in his mind, it's consensual. But... And and it is the age of consent is not until right. eighteen. Like that that's the and this is the thing about my own <laughs> personal experience with this stuff because having lived uh, across the street from this chick who was in twenty seven, she was mid to late twenties when I met her, uh, her boyfriend was in a cover band and I used to go with her to Wyoming and local areas in Colorado to watch the band play. Now they're singer sharp looking dudes. Now, this girl had a friend who looked probably like 22 or 23. And she was really enamored with the singer. and But she was dating somebody that was friends with both the girl, her, her friend, and the rest of us. And I recall remembering the time when we went up to Wyoming to see the cover band playing. It was just me, this girl that I lived across the street with, and uh, her the other girl's boyfriend like we were just a trio there that, that night and he's looking at me and he's getting drunk and I'm getting drunk and I already knew I didn't know a whole lot about the situation but I knew that his girlfriend was intrigued by the singer like she was infatuated with him so the other guy the boyfriend he turns to me he's like you know I know I'm not going to name her name but I know that she's interested in the singer and that Supposedly they had an incident or, you know, got together or something. And I said, Hooked well, up. yeah, so I'm like, well, I don't know if that happened. I do know that she found him attractive. And he was kind of like inadvertently, unknowns to me, get, getting confirmation that she was into the singer. Mm -hmm. And so we just were having this discussion. And I was coming from a point of view where. I know what it's like to be cheated on and all this. So I was talking. I was like, dude, look, if you're worried about this with her, don't remain in the relationship. Like, this is not something that's healthy. I said, look, if she's willing to cheat on you with somebody else, she's not worth it. And anyway, nothing really else happened that night. But I got back the next day, and the girl that I lived across the street from, who was friends with the girl who was cheating... Uh, came and said, yeah, what did you say to uh, What's-His-Face last night? I said, what do you mean? And she's like, well, apparently there was this big blow-up between him and, and her friend. And he said that you were telling him that, you know, she was, like, 
interested in what's his face and they probably hooked up i said well i said i didn't know for sure but i knew that she did like him because everyone's been talking about it and i just told my i said my input was like look you know if you're not happy or she's doing things that she shouldn't be doing maybe she's not the person for you so the girl across the street who lived with me, the older one, she's agreed with my point. She's like, it's not your fault. This isn't anything to do with you, so don't feel bad. I'm like, okay, I don't feel bad about it because, like, I've been there. Turns out the night that I was talking to him, and this is from him directly to boyfriend, I go, I, I don't think you're brought up. He's like, yeah, you realize, because the guy on stage singing was in his 20s. Mm-hmm. Paul was 21, I think, or 22. That was his boyfriend. Boyfriend. He said his girlfriend was 15, even though she had a fake ID. And I said, so he knowingly was dating a 15-year-old? He did, but the guy that sings for the band did not. And when he found out, he freaked the fuck out. And this is kind of my point where I'm going to. The girl looks nothing like 15. Not at all. Plus, she had a fake ID. So, regardless of Paul was kind of in the wrong for being with a 15-year-old. He was at least, least willing to stay with her. Like, it was like, you know, it wasn't like he was philandering around and all this other thing. He really cared about her. Yeah, but he knew, and he's 22 dating a 15-year-old. Right. He could go to jail. Oh, uh, yeah. But, for the other guy, the singer, he could go to jail without even fucking knowing. <laughs> That's, yeah. And this is the point <laughs> that I'm making, is that not every girl at that age looks that age. I'm going to give you the flip side. It's the ego of Bowie, because... Well, see, but Bowie knew. This is where we're going with all of this. So, Bowie, he knowingly had sex with her, knowing she was underage. And after that, her her friend Sable was all fucked up from probably cocaine and, and alcohol after Maddox was done fucking Bowie and they found Sable in the living room walking around fogging up the windows saying I want to fuck David Bowie and then when Maddox told David Bowie he said well darling bring her in and she said that night I lost my virginity and had my first threesome Mm -hmm. at 14 David Bowie knew and to this day Maddox claims it was her decision to do all this, and it probably was, but if there are laws about this... That's where it's a problem, because it doesn't matter if the girl wants to do it or not, the reality is legally, she doesn't have a say. Mm -hmm. So, if the parents want to pursue legal issues or, you know, a lawsuit or put them in jail... There's not much she can do about the girl. Like, she can huff and puff and pout and everything else, but the reality is, despite her wanting to do all those things, it's illegal. And that's where kind of David Bowie's escaping all this. And the thing is, is when you accept and almost celebrate these, excuse me, these artists who are actually rapists, you're kind of telling people it's okay. You're saying that these, you know, these people who have been abused don't matter. 
And yes, I understand. Sable and Maddox probably wanted to be there, but they were also underage. But what you're doing is you're ruining ruining it for other survivors. This is kind of going on the 180 where you have the fake rape thing and you have people who are claiming rape and you find out it's fake. You're you're ruining it for people who really are rape survivors. It's both sides are not good. And you, the thing is, though, you look at David Bowie and you think about how celebrated he is. And again, you're giving him that pass. You're like, ah, well, it was a groupie and they wanted to be there. She also, Maddox, actually, uh... Hold on, I forgot which which uh fucking uh Led Zeppelin Jimmy member Page. it was. Yeah, she was kind of like his little sex slave for three years and kept her Hit her away. Yeah, kept her hidden, and she's okay with that. Now, again, she's still under the age of eighteen, and he kept her hidden away for that long. So he, cause he knew, he knew it was wrong. So, I started, like, reading these articles, you know, statutory rape laws existed back in the 70s, and it really kind of goes to what you said. We look at these teen girls who are hypersexualized, either by society or by themselves, where you're like, oh my god, this girl who is 15 has double D boobs, is not wearing a bra, and carries herself like she's 21 but she is in reality 15. Our culture kind of turns a blind eye to these teen girls or we might glamorize it like look at what what happens when you have someone who actually is of age but they look so young and you're like oh okay so you are technically over 18 but you look really young so I'm gonna you know dress you up like a little girl I'm speaking in hypothetical like on advertising or the cover of magazines things like that that's what our culture does and then you have a girl who literally was statutory raped by David Bowie and nobody even blinks an eye and it's it's crazy because you're almost saying as we are as a society that it's okay because you put yourself in that position and if you consented and david bowie like to me my like i'm sitting here holding my my head my mind is like blowing up i could not imagine me at 14 consenting to anything because all i wanted to do and cons I mean, I would consent, but what would it matter? At 14, all I really wanted to do was please somebody. Well, that's the thing. In fact, uh, Mandy Smith, who was 13 at the time when she started dating Bill Wyman, the basis of Rolling Stones, mm -hmm. uh, they ended up marrying when she turned 18. She was with them for about 11 years before divorce. She says... It's not about being physically mature. It's, emotion, it's emotional maturity that matters, she stated, after making it clear that she regrets what happened to her. I don't think most 16-year-olds are ready. I think the age of consent should be raised to 18 at minimum. I agree with that. 
and some girls aren't even ready then. I know, I know, people will find that odd coming from me, she added, but I think I do know what I'm talking about here. You are still a child even at 16. You can never get that part of your life, your childhood back, and I never could. So despite the fact that she acknowledges that she was a willing par participant with, with Wyman, she says... She wasn't emotionally mature enough. She says that she would probably redo everything over and take that back and not do that. Uh, now, here's my question here because I remember when I was 18, I dated a girl who was 16, and people saw that as... When I was, when I was 13, I was dating a guy who was 18. But we were in high school together. Like, I was a freshman, he was a senior. But technically, he's of age. But technically, age. he is of age. And I have a late birthday, and he had an early birthday. So, like, I... Alright, I gotta do this shady math. I turned 14 as a freshman. And he... And this is November. He turned 18 in January. And we started dating. He is actually... Could say that loud. You know, he's actually the person I lost my virginity to. And I don't know if I, like, I mean, if my parents knew it at the time, that he would have been arrested. I mean, because I literally, I didn't have, like, this love for this guy. I just had, like, an acceptance type thing. The affection? Yeah, like, an affection. I just really wanted to be part of the group I was always an awkward person I hate admitting this on air that my you know virginity loss was due to statutory rape and in Maryland um I mean technically I was drunk when I first had sex but I don't consider it rape because I knew what I was doing <laughs> even drunk so <laughs> but like I mean literally but technically I was impaired literally I I was not drunk. I was 14. This guy was 18. And it did freak me out because we didn't even finish. And I was so freaked out about STDs, about... And both of us were virgins, by the way. Like, I'm worried about STDs. I'm worried about getting pregnant when it was, like, you know, 1.3 seconds. And um, it did cause a lot of anxiety. But it wasn't like I was in love with this guy and I was going to stay with him and then we were going to get married. It was more of kind of like the groupie thing. He was, you know, remember? And see, that's the thing, though. Like, And I don't want to drive off too far on the path, but there was a woman back in the 90s. She was on Springer or something. I just remember the story pretty well. But she was a groupie from the 70s and 80s, and she wrote a book about all her exploits and she wore that badge proudly now i can't remember what age she was when she started but i can't imagine it was like all of a sudden 18 and she was going to do this she was probably pretty young so my question to you now is we know that we can't change the past with guys like bowie prince whoever so going forward knowing that we didn't like, even talk about prince right but we don't need to dive any more into that we just know that during the past Rock stars, uh, R&B artists, whatever, they all had these young... Or Don men. Henley. Yeah, he was mentioned. But going forward, 
how do you think it's going to affect us? Because R. Kelly is like your poster boy now. Like, well, we held him to task. He's the one who's being held accountable, but there's all these other people. Right. Who but we, some are dead now, so it doesn't even But really we also matter. hold these other people. They're morally acceptable. R. Kelly sang a song, I don't see nothing wrong with a little bump and grind, but you're thinking of the Eagles, and they have these awesome hits. Same thing with Prince. Same thing with David Bowie. They're, like, legendary. They're they're using R. Kelly as their whipping boy. Well, and that's the thing, like... But to R. Kelly's, or to the point of R. Kelly, is he had a pattern of keeping women under, like, a prison, even after they were of age, to, and they couldn't get out, almost like Scientology, almost like a cult. Uh, the the other well, that's people, many of the young girls were very easily influenced. Mm-hmm. A lot of these other people were just like fucking groupies, and it was kind of like which is funny because you talk about Maddox, she would fall into that like I was very influenced. She may not admit it, but because of her age, she was probably very influenced to stay and not saying. I was influenced by a guy who was eighteen and wore a bomber jacket. Like I mean. You don't have to be David Bowie to influence a an underage person. An underage person doesn't really have the mental capacity to put two and two together of how wrong this is. At the time, I felt everything was right. I knew other people my age were losing their virginity and I didn't want to be left behind. I didn't have a boyfriend. This is before I was even with... Uh, my long-term boyfriend, Scotty Eddie, this is before him, that I'm like, I don't want to be left behind. I want to feel included. I want to feel important. I want somebody to have attraction to me because I'm, you know, kind of nerdy and I'm not the poster child of like the, the, you know, like the prom queen. I'm a big old mess like I am now. And I think about back to little me going through all this. And I'm like, this person is willing to fuck me. And I want to have this experience. And it was very bland more than anything. And I'm, I don't even know how like Maddox or any of these underage women felt when they were going through this with these celebrities. But Well, it's the same thing. That's why it's starstruck. You know. Yeah, it's like you just need that acceptance. I'm like, there's a guy. I mean, how is it? I literally, I'm at, I'm 51. If I walk up to Emma Watson, she's still probably about 30 years old. I'd still be like, I want to fuck the shit out of her. But it's a, but st- a you know. But, I mean, this is you're 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 talking apples to oranges. They're, right. You guys are of consenting age now. Okay, but even when I was 16, I looked at Lita Ford or, or whoever. It doesn't matter. It could have been Michelle Pfeiffer was well older than me at that point. Still, it'd be illegal for her, not for me. But that's the thing. This is where the double standard is. Like you look at a young guy fucking an older woman, and it's you know you go boy, you go girl. The women, I'm not saying this is okay either, but the women who are statutory rapists tend to get less penalty. Whereas the men who are statutory rapists are looked at like they're fucking homewreckers. You know, again, 
not saying that this is okay, but that's as society, we have kind of put that brand out there. We're like, if you, they can't foresee a woman being of sound mind. And I, I'm saying this of me, my personal opinion, woman, man, if you're, if you, if it's the law, it's the law. And you know, I'm, I don't think it's a good idea to statutory rape at all. But in the society eye, as we say, we think that like, you know, a 17 year old hooking their, their claws into a 30 year old hot, you know, woman is, you know, oh man, you're, you're having sex with this hot chick, but you don't look at it as there's a 30 year old woman who knows what she's doing, having sex with somebody who is clearly underage. Which brings me to Dawson's Creek. I know you've never seen Dawson's Creek or much of Dawson's Creek. However, in the first season, um, PC has an affair with one of his high school teachers. I remember that. Okay. That is not even like, nobody goes after the teacher. The teacher just like leaves town. They just push her away. She, and she does it on her own accord. If it was a male teacher doing it to a female student, don't you think they would be in jail? Or they wouldn't even put that in a show because that's not okay. It's, it, it's, I mean, this goes back to all of our talks about, you know, male and female equality, whatever. It, it is wrong. Like, I don't think anyone at 14 has an idea of who they are. And if you're at 14 struggling with who you are, and let's say you want to be with someone older, or if you're struggling with your identity, or whatever. Dude, that was so loud, I bet you the microphone picked that up. Maybe. Oh my god. Oh my god, oh my god. Right. I've lost my train of thought now. That's fine. Oh no, it's not fine! I snapped you first, you can't snap me. I don't, okay, so I'm going to explain the snap thing. The snap thing is Thanos. <laughs> Thanos? Thanos. 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 It's Thanos. Okay, whatever it is. The snap thing is from the Avengers when Thanos gets all the Infinity Stones and he snaps and, like, you know, populous. So we snap each other when we're ready. We're trying to, like, make each other disappear. But from... I'm, I'll try to wrap this up in a bow in a quick quick segment, but statutory rape, regardless of your gender, is wrong. And I feel like as a, as a society, we do not um, hold the women, the older women who are statutory raping as accountable as we do the men, because if you hear what we're reading and researching off our app oh my god i am fucking having a stroke if you are hearing what we are reading off of our recent articles it's only talking about men 
And I don't know if that's because the men are, are famous or if it's because the women feel comfortable enough coming forward. But Well, we know that's a fact because most men who are raped by women, regardless if it's forcible or statutory or whatever, they don't... Too much pride. We've talked about that. It could that. be shame, yeah. So, I don't want to... I don't want to take away from David Bowie as an artist, and this is where I'm, because I didn't know all of this, and I didn't know this about Don Henley, I didn't realize that Priscilla Presley was so young when, you know, Elvis Presley was deflowering her. You have the art and the artist, and I don't think what the artist did as a person is a good thing but I still appreciate and respect the art that was done by this artist which is why you don't idolize them you just appreciate the music or whatever art they're creating like JK Rowling yeah she may not have don't put her on a pedestal that you know can easily be broken by her personal person like just appreciate, appreciate the book she written yeah it's it's just so crazy because celebrities are human, you know, FYI. Just you have to understand that just because they're big and powerful that doesn't mean that they are unbreakable. They do shitty things too. All right, well, our next block of music, new stuff from Mechana, but here's brand new stuff from Vortec, The Dark City. Oh, my God. 
What's up everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up. You know I'd love to take you, Puddin', but I'd never deny you the pleasure of buying me time to escape. Break you out, my love, I swear. Or actually, uh, I have something tonight, but I'll definitely get you out before breakfast. Love ya. Hey, man. Hell yeah. What are you doing? Getting ready to have sex. Why? Because after a great date, you usually have sex. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Uh, I was going to say something, but I wanted to see how all this played out. Oh, shut up, Frank. <clears throat> but for the record, he does have a point. Just give me 15 more minutes. Joker's probably still fighting Batman. I don't know, hon. It's, you know, most superhero fights. They're not like... Uh, Calendar Man, how long has she been in here? Oh, hey, Ivy. 183 days. Oh, sure. You remember the incarceration date of porn clown over here, but not your own son's birthday. Oh, really? You were laughed out of UTI. Yeah! Word gets around! Alright, little clip there from 
Harley Quinn, HBO Max, Season 1. And I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about this because whether she wants to admit or not, Neko's been kind of like ranting about a couple things in regards to Harley Quinn. I admit it. I hate the character of Harley Quinn 100%. Except for the original Except for concept. the original from Batman the Animated Series. Uh, but, you know, Neko brings up some interesting points because of the live action versus this new animation show that's on HBO Max. Like, I wasn't sure what to think of Harley Quinn on the animated part with the new one, but I asked some friends of mine who have been watching it who are big comic fans, and they said it's worth it, so check it out. So I have been. And I've caught Neko laughing at it a few times, so I know that she's at least enjoyed some of it. But one of the biggest things that she's pointed out is that the portrayal of Harley Quinn in the animated series now... And previously. And previously is far different than what the live-action versions are in the Suicide Squad movies and, of course, DC in general. I'm good. This is tying into what we were talking about. What, they're do, what they did with Harley Quinn in the movies is they took an adult and made her look like a teenager wearing a shirt that says Daddy's Little Monster and made it okay to lust after someone who looked like they were 16. She is one-dimensional in the movies and people don't see that because she's pretty and hot and men just want to jack off to her picture. She makes that sound like it's a bad thing. <laughs> I don't like Harley Quinn. I'm going to put that out there. I hate Harley Quinn. I hate we have this giant Harley Quinn in my house. I There's so many times that you put that up on I was going to just throw it away. Like in the morning. I hate all of this. Hate it. I hate it so much. Beyond like hate. Hate. Like I despise I don't despise Margot Robbie. I despise the portrayal that she's doing. But everybody thinks she's such a great Harley Quinn. She she's, actually is. In terms, no. In terms of... She's doing what they're telling her to do. She's nothing like the cartoon. And she's nothing like the earlier cartoon. Well, I'm speaking more of like the voice part of it. That's all she has. She's kind of baby voice. And oh, I'm so cute. And I'm wearing like really short pants. And oh my god, I'm so hot. That's all she has. But everybody just wants to fucking jerk off to her. And I hate it. Like, I, I hate. I, I'm seething with hate. Like, I hate Harley Quinn. If you don't understand when I say I hate Harley Quinn, you think I hate Har Harry Potter? I hate Harley Quinn in the Suicide Squad. Hate. You should see it. If this was on video, this would be worth it. Because her head's about ready to burst like a fucking grape. Hate. Uh, Alright, well tell us what you do like about the animated series. Like, both of them. Like, what you thought is better there than in the live action stuff in terms of character development and everything else. First of all, they don't treat her like she's 16. Didn't the original one, though, kind of do that? Like, because she was a kid, essentially? No. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I don't remember exactly everything. How could she be a kid 
if she graduated college with a master's degree. Was that the same thing in the original? Yes. Okay. So, at minimum... Did they ever introduce that in the original? Yes. Did she, they? She was an actual psychiatrist in Arkham. Yeah, I don't remember that part of it, the original series, but that's fine. She was. So, at minimum, if you went to college and then you went right into your master's degree, let's say she was... No, no, you don't need to explain that. I'm but just saying. at minimum, she was like 24. See, when I remember the original animated series, I just remember her just showing up one day. And I'm like, okay, well, this is an interesting character. Sidekick to the Joker. But it wasn't really until the movie Suicide Squad that I got. In yeah, there. let's take all of her clothes off and make her sound like she's a teenager. But that's not what I was really getting at. Like, they actually showed you her falling into the, you know, being pushed into the goo and all this other shit that the Joker did. So that was kind of like the first time I'd seen how she became who she was. I don't remember seeing that part of the animated series, even though you say it was there. It was. And Arkham didn't even, like, fucking exist until the animated series. Bane didn't exist. Right. You know, a lot of these other characters, these tertiary characters, didn't exist until the animated series, which was kind of like a spinoff of, like, later comics. We all saw, like, Adam West. We saw the old Batman comics. And then we saw Michael Keaton. And we saw Jack Nicholson. And that's all we saw as mainstream. So when they finally did... The animated series, I think... I was young, but it was, like, 92-ish. I'm just saying that by the time the fourth movie came out with Clooney and they introduced Bane and Poison Ivy, those are both characters from the animated series. From the animated series. Yes. Now, Poison Ivy, I think, was in the comics before then... But Poison Ivy and Bane were, and this is... An, Do you remember how bad Bane was in that fourth Yes, movie? I know. <laughs> Poison Ivy and Bane in the animated series from the 90s were kind of like cohorts. Not Harley and Poison Ivy like in this, which I actually like more because Poison Ivy... I like Poison Ivy more than I like Harley Quinn in this new show. Well, it's a good character. It really is. Now... You scoffed when I said that they're probably going to get together. But I have a good authority that's going to happen. That's because that's what they want. That they as a society. But I mean, you're thinking that's like the woke thing that they're doing? Look at what they're doing with Sex and the City. Because really, there is a moment in the animated series, a new one, where Harley is initially in her old get-up-to-jester thing. And Poison Ivy looks at her and says, well, you know... You're away from the Joker, but you're still dressed like a little kid. You need to, like, change your your image. And that's when she switches over to what she's in now. Uh, so, but I, I think I do agree with you in a way that this animation stuff between then and now is better written. Because even though they, they still touch on the breakup with the Joker, they don't treat it like she's an idiot. <laughs> like, they, I mean, she has her blonde moments obviously in the animation series but same time she's very uh strong she fights back she actually goes we watched the last one we watched she went to save poison ivy well i mean let's just look at what they're they're really digging because this is the harley quinn show they're really digging into her past and you see that harley quinn is a multi-dimensional person who grew up with 
father, who was her gymnastics coach, who made her take a fall at the gymnastics meet that could have put her on the Olympics mm -hmm. so he could settle a bet. She grew up in a toxic environment, like, already, and, you know, that will create a fucking supervillain. But you see when she's, they did a flashback, and you see when she's in her gymnastics meet, she's actually caring. Like, she cares about her dad. But then meeting the Joker when she's treating the Joker which they they don't really show a lot of this in the movies and I know cartoons are for children and I was a child when I watched well, this the cartoon is not made the language and everything else I, I get it but like what I'm saying is sometimes the offshoots are more important than the the bad movies because I like when you see Harley in these especially this and you see how she like actually cares about her family but then you see where she hits a breaking point every time with every character her dad the joker like everything you're actually seeing her be a human being like in the movie they're just showing her as sex on a stick but I have a bat, so I'll beat the shit out of you. Like in the sex, that's stick. really what it is. Like she's like, oh, I could just marry you, but then I'll just kill you now. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense. And again, I hate, hate, hate Harley Quinn. But I actually accept her in this animated show because. There's so many other great supporting people around her. And and we're going to get to that because this article I've been reading on CBR.com has uh, 10 ways the animation is better than the live action. Number 10, the approach to Holly, Harley's breakup with Mr. J. And obviously they touch on, we kind of talked about it a little bit, is they uh, show her being a lot more... Um, strong but then she's also still kind of dealing with some of this pain we've realized that through some of the she's actually a human uh number nine the series characters have much more personality which gets to what you were talking about with the stronger cast uh and one of the things this this uh author of this article is doing is she's only really comparing it to birds of prey which was dog shit but I think Nick and I agree that the Suicide Squad that came out a year ago is better than the one before that in 2016 and better than Birds and Prey. Yes. Um, but that was just a movie in totality. It wasn't so much about just Harley. It was like you had uh, El Eldris's character in there um, and you know, John Cena and all them. So it was just a stronger movie. The article writes, only really like comparing it to Birds of Prey. I don't know why she limited it to just that. But... Uh, the animation series is much better. The live-action Birds of Prey was what I would agree was their, their characters were dull. They were very uh, blank, and you had like the five chicks. And I think uh, probably the one shot you would take at Margaret Robbie, I think she was like one of the people that was involved with the writing and the directing of this particular... Uh, Don't tell me that, because I actually am able to separate the art from the artist and I don't hate Margaret No, Robbie. Margaret Robbie's a great actress, period. Like, even if you take her out of the Harley Quinn thing, she's very, very good. Um, but I think that 
she got she just like a lot of people get caught up in this woke shit and when they go to try to make a strong female film they lose track and sight of what they're supposed to be doing whereas this animation series doesn't do that it has its moments but at the same time it's continuing to build this strong uh foundation for its plot um Number eight, the series demonstrates a clever understanding of the comics. Now, that I can't really speak on. Maybe she can more than I. I don't, outside of the anime series from the 90s, I don't know a lot about Harley outside. I haven't read comics since the 90s, right. so. Number seven, effective application of the DC Universe. Um, again, that's getting way more detailed than I would know, but obviously we know that outside, well, even the Suicide Squad probably was pretty bland in terms of death like it was just entertainment bubblegum shit you know in the movie the last one we saw it was with Elba like it was just a bunch of blood and funny yeah, stuff yeah exactly but it doesn't have anything any background that we're used to seeing in certain movies uh six Batman is actively present in the series well that's true yeah we don't see him at all in the Suicide Squad or anything like that uh, Harley is conveyed as an anti-hero in the series. Yeah, that's normal. That's normal, though. She always has been. Even in the live action, she's not considered a hero. <laughs> she's, like, crazy as fuck. We saw that in the, the last Suicide Squad, too, where she fucks the one dude and then kills him right after. Uh, number four, the series examines Harley and Poison Ivy's friendship, which mm-hmm. we'll be seeing more of that. Uh, we've seen a little bit of that just in terms of how much they mean to each other, why they're going to save each other at various times, but as I said, it's going to get a little deeper than that. Harley's crew from the series is more appropriate. Um, what did they say here with this? There's no denying that the Birds of Prey team used in the film wasn't accurate. Their very name is included in the movie title, yet the characters end up revolving around Harley. Really, the Birds of Prey appear seemingly misplaced in what's obviously a Harley Quinn movie. This is not the case for the animated series, as it's here where Harley teams with familiar faces like Poison Ivy and establishes a crew far more appropriate for the anti-hero. Despite her elite alliance with vigilantes like Black Canary Huntress, Harley generally operates among criminals, so it's only right that her comrades be criminals themselves. Okay, so I guess, yeah, Black Canary and all of them are all like heroes, I guess, hero characters. Harley is so desperate to be accepted. That's we saw that she dissed fucking Poison Ivy, her best girlfriend, the person who took her under her wig, so that she could be accepted by the Legion of Doom. Yeah, and I'm just saying that like now she has King Shark and some of the people we've seen from Suicide Squad with her. Who's the other one? The Sinestro. Like I don't Mm -hmm. know much about him. Is he the one that uses the telepath? Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, she's and plus she's eager to get into the Legion of Doom, which is all criminal. So that's really kind of her thing here. She's not really spending, although she tends to be friendly with Batman. But we saw this in the original animation too. I remember. Mm-hmm. So it, she's kind of like Catwoman. Yeah, she's <laughs> exactly good point. Number two, the series applies details from the Harley Quinn comic better. Uh, can't speak speak on that. I've never read the Harley Quinn comic. Uh, the series offers a satisfying end to Harley's character arc. Uh, we haven't got there yet with that, but uh, I think I can say we are kind of happy where the series is going in terms of entertainment value. Because, like I said, I've, I've laughed at a few scenes. I know Neko has. Um, they curse. They 
talk about sexual innuendos, sex in general. Uh, you're not getting any of the, like, there's no nudity. So, like, you know, at least from that point of view, Neko's not going to lose her mind by, like, what the fuck are you doing? You know? I'm not a prude. No, no, no. I'm just saying, judging by what you're saying about the sexualization, if they'd started doing no, that in no, this, this series. Is, there's a difference between this and nudity. Okay. She's giving me this fucking look. Like, this happens every time I do a show with her. It's like, what the hell? Okay, you got any more to say on this? You have all you want to say. No, go ahead. You got something to say, say it. I, I mean, honestly, I, I hate Harley Quinn, as I've said before. I hate her. And this show actually makes me not hate her. Well, that's good, then. It, it is. I don't think you hate the character because you like the original one anyway. So it's really just the basis of what they're doing with the live-action movies that you hate so much because of this. Yeah. So it's not really the character you hate. It's just what they've done with it in the live-action movies. That's, yes, 100%. And what they've done to to a, like, very witty and angry and, like, firecracker snap at like the drop of a hat person they've turned her into a playboy model who is dumb talks like a baby and like oh i have my bat oh i have my hammer like they don't really even touch into this is what I appreciate about the fucking cartoon is when they did that whole like backstory about her like going to visit her mom and mm -hmm. all of that like that is real Harley Quinn. The Suicide Squads and the Birds of Prey are not and that's all people know and it pisses me off because that's what like 17 year olds are jerking off to and they think Margot Robbie is the real Harley Quinn. I'm sorry, Margot Robbie, you're not. The comic book is better. You will never... You're forced to do what you're forced to do. Well, maybe Margot will get it. Someone will send this copy of this episode yeah, to her. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Mm. Maybe. She likes metal, so who knows. But, maybe, I mean, she had so much input on Birds of Prey, which turned out like shit, but maybe that's what she can do going forward if they continue on with this character in the live action. It's like, look. They will continue on this live action until Margot Robbie is old. And that's the truth. Yeah, but they I'm saying... They will milk her until she is old and not deemed attractive by Hollywood standards. And that pisses me off, too. Yeah, I think I'm going to move on because she's, like, really angry. I hate... I hate... I hate this... This is what I hate. All right, and well, I'm pointing we're gonna angrily. This, we're going to do this live now. Go ahead. I spent my on this. You take it down. You go not, burn it. Go burn it. burn it. Yeah, go ahead. Because, like, I just like comics. I like fucking horror. I like fucking music. And that's why I had this poster. Because I like the character. Sure, she's sexy. He likes the character so much. It's his screensaver on his phone and his computer. But... But I understand but, her point too because I'm enjoying the cartoon. I enjoyed the one before that, so it's not just that. But you didn't know anything about Harley Quinn until you watched. No, I did because I had seen the animated series. Did you? 
Yes, I did. <laughs> She's trying to challenge me. Oh, you don't want to do that. Did you? Did you really? Yeah, see, she's being a sarcastic ass. I, right. I can't put it into, like... Like, I wish I could take... No, she can't, because she just wants to fucking burn my poster. So I'm telling her, go fucking do it. So it's I don't have to listen to this... It's poster, it's everything. Like, you're obsessed with Harley Quinn. No, I'm not. I don't even talk about her. Remember what Extreme said more than words? <laughs> yeah, but that's... <laughs> not, that's not what I said. Yeah, more than words. No, that's not what I said. I don't I don't obsess over her. It's not what your phone says. Look, look, look we can look at my that's katana. So yeah. I'd rather have katana up there. Well, find me a katana poster, sure, fine, great. Uh I'll just move that somewhere else. But if it gets moved, it's being moved to the trash can. Do it now. Right on live radio, do it. It's Go not ahead. worth it because there's not a video of me like ripping it. Cause okay, not- we'll do it because I'll, I'll show a video. We'll get this done. <laughs> when we do Sentry, yeah, we'll do this. I will rip it down and beat it to death. Yep, okay. I I have such a problem with the Margot Robbie portrayal of Harley Quinn. That's fine, but it's not... It's You don't hate the character. You just hate what they're portraying with Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. And, but, That's what I'm trying to but get. But I, I get what you're saying. But what I'm also saying is you and your fucking screensavers. I change them all the fucking no, time. No, you don't. You've had it on Harley for a long time, and you always go back to Harley Quinn. This there there is an obsession over this Harley Quinn, and so she- what this really comes down to is I've been doing this shit for years. I used to have Emma Watson all the time on. I didn't get this much shit about it. So I'm going to start changing everything. But Emma Watson is an authentic person. So what? I like comic books. Who cares? You don't like comic books? When was the last time you read a comic What do you know about comic books? we got to get off this because I'm going to get mad. You're going to get mad at me? Yep. So. Yep. Here's legalized. <laughs> legalized. Legalized murder. No punishment. There's going to be punishment coming. Trust me. Do it. Yeah.
This is Monroe Black from Salem's Lot. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio.
right, Warrior Within, provided by Angel PR. That was Stronger Than Death and Time. DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. Here to N- get... Now, had a quaalude. Quaalude? <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, not going to chew off your face. You're right. She told me earlier, like, I don't really want to talk about this. And I should have just taken her advice and said, fuck that. <laughs> Next time I get that uh, message from her about not wanting to talk about something, definitely not going to talk about something. I don't. Oh, like. They say it's so weird because, like I said, we've been watching this show for, like, you know, past week off and on. And she's been laughing at it. So I'm like, okay, well, she's kind of interested in it, which she seems like it, but then. Getting all this shit, and it's like, holy fucking I! Gonna kill you, motherfucker! I'm not gonna kill you. I just. I'm gonna give it. I, I get the point. Like, I understand. I agree with that point about the sexualization of the character. But it's doing fine in the cartoon. Like, it's correcting that, basically. Can't correct the live action until they actually do it. Yeah, but, but nobody pays attention to the cartoon. What Rick Smith and all them do? Like, it's... Yeah, 30% of the people pay attention to the to, to the Harley Quinn cartoon. Well, maybe it'll gain, gain some some steam. Like, it's on HBO Max, so people that have that, it's there, the series, for two seasons, so... And a third is, is supposedly ha- happening, and, I mean, I just... I hate so badly... The movies, how it's deviated from... And that's the thing, like, and maybe you would agree, had, I mean, of course they can't, well, yes they can, if Nolan had maybe dabbled into that when Ledger did the Joker, if he had brought, like, it doesn't have to be Moroby, if he just would have brought that character, how dark would that character have been? See, this is the thing, if Nolan would have done it, he wouldn't have made her the way that he made her. Right, because he did a great job with Bane. Catwoman was good. Joker was good. Scarecrow was good. They were all, like, you know, I mean, Liam Neeson's character, who's, like, the mentor of Batman. Like, I didn't really know much about his background, so I don't know. He's the OG before Joker. Like, the triple OG, like, back in the 30s. Right. um, And I'm glad they did that, because not a lot of people really knew about um, how... Now, again, I, I big nerd, I've read a lot of comics, done a lot of nerddom, but I don't know how true that Liam Neeson was to the whole character. So I'm not 100% to say, like, it was perfect, blah, 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 but I'm glad they, they went down that, that road, because if you took... You know, Batman Begins as a movie solo from Batman. Let's pretend that... Um, Not the previous Yeah, one. no, let's just pretend he wasn't even Batman. Let's pretend he was like, you know, Starman or <laughs> Assman or whatever. And it was such a good movie. and Like, good, good to me. Action, like, mystique, anger, like... You could take all of that. It was so well done that I think because if you weren't a fan of Batman and didn't know about Raja Ghul, 
you would still appreciate it. And I think that's also what's helping with this like new Spider-Man movie because a lot of people don't know about the the multiverse and the like other Spider-Man timelines. So when you're seeing it, you're like, this is very heartfelt and they're like combining everything, but they did it in such a great way that kids and adults are kind of like, two thumbs up, yay. That's what I think about Batman Begins. It's such a well-done movie that even if you don't know about Raja Ghoul and like the whole like super original, because everybody thinks like the original um, adversary of Batman is Joker. Joker. But this is like before like original original and I'm glad they did that and um, so that's kind of why I I am like fired up. Yeah, fired up because Harley Quinn has just she's turned into fourteen-year-old girls dressing up like her for Halloween. It's that's true. I mean, if there's one thing people take away from it, they don't worry about the character itself. They just want to look. That's like that's it. what it is. It's like a look. It's not like so. I when I think of Harley Quinn, I think of the, her first like iteration and then I see this bullshit and then I see what kind of monstrosity it's turned into and how people just like worship again with the celebrity worship and she's a fake celebrity and any girl who has blonde hair starts dyeing their hair half half blue and half pink and it just makes me insane now we have this new cartoon and they're really i mean it's really really raunchy and funny but they are kind of diving into more of her character and who is her god this is not like a deep cartoon like jason fucking alexander is is the voice of her well yeah yeah it's it's not gonna be like something you're gonna analyze for days but as Neko <laughs> said like they at least attempt to show the pros and cons like the movies don't dive into this enough and that's it's partially because there's so many characters but at the same time this show there's so many characters in this fucking show which tells you why we watch when we watch stuff like Bubble Fett or uh, The Mandalorian or Hawkeye and some of the stuff it's a little bit better when you do series because you can explore things more but I think that's bullshit because you and I both said the same thing about Suicide Squad versus the Suicide right. Squad. You can have a decent movie with care with multiple characters. Captain America: Civil War, The Avengers, all of the Avengers movies. You don't get their full backstory. It's just Harley Quinn gets turned into like literally like a hustler girl. She gets turned and, and which is funny because and I hate to break you off, yes, but. Yes, yes. but you mentioned Marvel and like Black Widow they didn't do that too we do sexualize Black Widow but we don't treat her the same as we do with no, Harley we treat Black Widow as like she's a badass yeah she's a badass she was we know she had a bad past we know she was put into a bad position but we don't treat her like Harley we don't like you know yes Black Widow can be sexualized because she's wearing skimpy outfits. But what they've done to fucking Harley, I just, I can't. And it's just, 
it literally has turned her into like a porn comic and when I see non-stop it's not just you don't think it's just you it's not even me I don't sit there and jack off to her every male with a penis is like that's what I want and I'm like she is not even really representing the real essence of what this character is if you kind of even because again it's it's mainstream you see these movies and you're like oh god she's so great as her and she is the strongest out of all of those movies she is the strongest even what are you talking about acting yeah yeah margo even idris elba my my bff the love of my life you know but she is the strongest so because she is the strongest out of those three movies and she's gorgeous and they've turned her into a sexualized doll that's what happens but you lose like what a fucking freak harley is like well i think i remember when we watched the suicide squad that moment i was talking about where she I figure who the dude was. He was the general or he was president like, of that little town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they end up having sex and then she ends up killing him. And you're like, yeah, that's the real Harley mm-hmm. Quinn. That's a crazy bitch that you're going to get entangled with no matter who you are. And so you were pointing that out above everything else. And I'm like, well, yeah, she is fucking crazy. <laughs> but that's what they did. Like, that's the only time they zoomed in. But in the in the series, how many times did she just, like, beat somebody up? Except for, she will never stop loving the Joker. We saw that in, like, two episodes ago. She is, like, love-struck all the time. Like... And that's, and that's the thing. There was consequences for that because once her friend Poison Ivy found out, she kind of dumped her and said, Fuck, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to deal with this because you can't get over this idiot who keeps treating you like ass. And then finally it happens again to her. And even fucking Batman is dark. You're a dipshit. Quit doing you're this. Better than, he said you're better than this. <laughs> yeah. So you got your, your one of your arch rivals telling you, like, look, this dude is bad news for you. You might be bad news, but he's really bad news. It just, I that's, that's what I kind of, like, I hate. Because they just turned Harley Quinn into a porn star. And because Margot Robbie is so beautiful and... I actually like her, like, as a human being. Any interview she does, anything she does is, is, is funny and quippy and cute and et cetera, et cetera. So you've got this amazing woman doing this character, and she's doing the best she can with what she's given. And then everybody is losing their shit because she's hot. She is hot! And it turns into, like almost a caricature of a cartoon and people are just worshipping this well, fake Harley Quinn. Yeah, we don't want to go too Okay, far, so we, we're ending the show. But, uh, yeah, so like, they just, they took the character and it's fine to have fun with it, but as Nick was pointing out, it's like they've, they've gone to the point of no return because... Rather than keep her grounded, they've kind of, like, just blew her up into this Barbie doll that now, like, when you watch, like, the original Suicide Squad and they're in the, uh, 
the little zone where they're all being released and told to get their items out of their trunks and put on clothes, and she's doing her little clothes change. She's like, oh, this is my clothes. And all, and all the other guards are, like, staring at her. She's like, what? Like, they start capitalizing on that part of, the, of Harley Quinn instead of, like, everything else where it's very traumatic. And prior to that, Harley Quinn was fully covered except for her face. And that's... I am not a prude, but I just get so fucking angry because why do you have to just be like, yeah, this is what you wear. A ratted up t-shirt, fucking fishnet stockings, and jeans so short. It should be noted too, and this is going back to the new animation, is that the Quinn, when she changes out the jester... Still has like a half shirt and like bottoms, but it's her character's not done in the same way that this one is. With she's, Roby, she's, so. but and her half shirt and jester are still the same colors. And there was one scene, I, I, I'm hoping it's a woman who wrote this scene where her and Poison Ivy were eating at like a diner and she's wearing her thing, and 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 like Harley was like just kind of slunching and Poison Ivy were slunching. They didn't make them look like they were anorexic. They made them look like human beings. Because, like, when you slunch and you, like, lean onto a table, you have, like, a hump in your back and, like, a little roundness to your tummy. And I appreciate that because I'm like, I get it. I get it cartoons are fake. I get it that drawings are fake. And I get that it's fantasy. However, there is so much more when you have these two dynamic women and that's what they're really exploring in the Harley Quinn um fucking uh show I almost want to say it's the Poison Ivy show because she is just as much featured in mm -hmm. this as Harley is and you have two really really like dynamic women who are just on their game yep Alright, so, All right, so peace out, motherfuckers. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this episode. It was lively at the end, for sure. <laughs> uh, I got one last track left for y'all. It's Fatuitous Rump with their new stuff. This is Burning Its Wedding Poisons. Like Poison Ivy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>